episode 46 of the Chewy on Your Boot podcast, and for this one we're joined by former professional cricketer and footballer Guy Walker. Guy spent time as a Victorian state-contracted cricketer and with the Melbourne Renegades in the BBL, as well as spending a year with the Melbourne Football Club as a Category B rookie. Unfortunately, Guy had a career riddled by injury, which you'll hear about as he takes us into the mental toll that having a sporting career cut short by numerous back and shoulder injuries had on him as he shares an important message about mental health. He also talks about his work with mental health organisation Tackle Your Feelings and his own podcast, The Athlete Diaries, which is well worth listening to, and you'll find the link to that in the show notes. So definitely go check that out. And just before we do get into it, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Kremlin. Make sure you check them out using the link in the show notes or on Instagram and use the code BENM10, all in caps, for a 10% discount on all stock, including brand new face masks that are coming out. So definitely go do that. And without further ado, let's get into it. Guy, welcome to the Chewy On Your Boot podcast. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Just before we get into it, um, you've been in isolation, obviously, for a while now. How are you managing it and what are you doing to keep yourself busy? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's something on everyone's mind at the moment, isn't it? I think I've, I was working a little bit, stood down like a lot of other people as well. So I was working a little bit at Speedo, but um, not there anymore. But it's been something for me that I've just tried to try to get out as much as, as I possibly could out of this, um, this time. So, um, yeah, I've been trying to keep myself busy with a few little projects. And, um, yeah, I've been, I've been quite good. I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to live with a few people and my partner. So I guess when you have that connection to people still, that it, it makes it a lot easier. Definitely. Take us back to your younger years. We delve into your career. You were born in England and you also spent a bit of time in Malaysia before you moved to Australia. Can you take us through that? Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one. I haven't been asked about that many times, but um, I was uh, born and bred in England, uh, Nottingham, the, the great place of uh, Nottingham uh, Forest Football Club if you don't have a, you don't have a team to support. Um, and then headed over to Malaysia. My old man um, played for Nottingham County Cricket Club and he retired young as well um, at 24 and um, he got the job to, to coach Malaysia. So I sort of jetted over there as a five-year-old and funny, you can still, I can still kind of remember um, some things of it. And then, yeah, we were supposed to move to Perth and um, he ended up getting a job with the Victorian women's, women's cricket team and we ended up coming to Melbourne last minute. So yeah, interesting starts in my life, going to England, to Malaysia and to, then to Australia. It's not the, not the <laughs> usual um, journey for, for a young fella, but uh, it was good. And you mentioned your dad's involvement in cricket. How influential was he in helping you discover a passion for cricket and for your development? Yeah, I think that's a really good question because I think um, people assume that because he was a cricketer that he would have really got me into it and sort of taught me and coached me and that sort of stuff. But it actually was the other way around. I find, and even with myself, I find that um, that you're, most professional cricketers with their sons, they actually don't really sort of speak to them that much about cricket or they don't actually sort of coach them a hell of a lot because they know that you have to sort of go through your own journey. So I think definitely for me to see him playing a little bit, to see him coaching, always be around cricket was something that I was like, well, I loved it. I used to walk around when I was 10 years old to 15 trying to bowl imaginary cricket balls um, and that sort of stuff like every young fella. And 
he was a big part to it. But yeah, he never really coached me, to be honest. If I needed something and I said, oh, mate, I've played a terrible shot today or I'm struggling with bowling or whatever, like he'd give me a bit of advice. But other than that, he was probably the parent on the sidelines that never said a word. That's very interesting. And did, did you read into that? Like he was obviously talented enough to be a county cricketer. So did you expect him to give you tips or anything like that? Uh, yeah, I would. I was, I was pretty flattered in that he wouldn't I'd sometimes say, mate, can you come bowl at me? And he'd be like, nah, I just, I don't want him, mate. I don't want to be coaching you too much. He would sometimes, but he wouldn't as much as people um, think he would. And at the, at the stage I was like, oh, but I think the, the best thing about him was that he let me go on my own journey in the fact that I could still get out and try to work things out myself instead of him saying, oh, you played a bad shot there or you did this wrong or you did that wrong. I think cricket's one of them games, it's such a cliche thing to say, like that you need to learn your own game. But literally, when people say that, you literally do need to learn your own game. And the quicker you can do it, um, the better you'll be at a younger age. Definitely. And there's obviously cricket, but what other sports did you play growing up? AFL became a big part of your life later on. Did you play that? Was that one of your main sports as in your childhood? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I can still remember um, running around at Flemington Primary School, and I went to I went to school with um, with like likes of Riley O'Brien and, and that sort of stuff. And he got me on the Port Adelaide bandwagon. He used to be used to be a Port Adelaide fan, and I, I never saw a footy in my entire life. I didn't know what it looked like. Obviously, coming from England, I had no clue. And I went from couldn't bounce the ball to to playing and absolutely loving it. Till um, so, yeah, like every kid, really, like winter, footy, summer, cricket, like couldn't get enough of playing sport. Um, and then, yeah, had to sort of make it a make a decision when you sort of get to 16, 17 that you don't really want to make. Yeah. And in 2013, you were selected as part of the Victorian under-17 cricket team. Had you played much rep cricket like that before or was this your first real taste of an elite level? Um, it was pretty... It was quite a normal sort of talent pathway for me. I sort of, um, I kind of, I was being a Will Pukowski about this actually, is that I was very similar to him in that you, we just kept making these rep teams every year and you don't really think about it. You just go, oh, that's great. I'm playing this, this tournament. So yeah, for me, it was um, sort of all the, the rep teams in regional and then played big 15s, Australian under 16s. And then I think I had, after that, I played Australian under 16s with about five hotspots in my back. Um, and I was I was cooked. So I had a year off after that. My back was no good. That was the first in first main injury that I had, and then came back and literally I I just came back getting fit at that under seventeen carnival. And, and from those, you go. Sorry, you go. Oh, when from those under seventeen carnivals, you earned Australian selection for the under nineteen tour of New Zealand, and also a Victorian rookie contract at just seventeen must have been a pretty exciting time for you having everything happen so quickly. Yeah, it definitely was. I think, like I said, I, I was out for a year with injury um, as a 17-year-old and then sort of, yeah, played, played top age, um, 17s for Victoria. I was, I was literally, in the first two games, I can still remember being on restrictions. I hadn't bowled, for, hadn't bowled properly in a game for 12 to 13 months, I think, and came in and, and was just I just found a bit of rhythm, playing some good cricket, happy to just be back on the on the field and we won the championship that year and um I knew that I was probably gonna, I was probably a sniff just because there was a lot of selectors around the ground I, I was in conversation with um, the selector back then, which was Greg Chapel around under nineteen and that he under nineteen World Cup and that he wanted me um, in the squad and 
just to make sure to, to try to stay fit and watch out for my workloads and all that sort of stuff. So it did, it did happen. A lot of, a lot of athletes sort of say how quickly it happened and that sort of time in my life to, to have a year off and then straight in the under-17s and then straight into the under-19s World Cup, um, which, we, which was played a couple of years later. But that was a, happened really, really fast for me. And then come 2014, you were on a plane to the UAE representing Australia in the under-19 World Cup, as you mentioned. How much did you enjoy this experience, having the opportunity to test yourself against some of the world's best talent? And did you find that prospect daunting at all? Uh, not, not really, just because the way that they, the way that the, the pathways, the under 19s, um, works is really, really good. So from 17 to 19, before we played that world cup, we went to New Zealand, I think it was India. Um, and then we went to like Sri Lanka and you sort of just get, um, you get used to playing against quality cricketers. Um, you're enjoying the cultural experiences, um, traveling around and then, yeah, you sort of get on the plane and cause you've been playing for two years, um, we sort of lead up tours and they're trying to pick different sides to see what works. By the time that you're actually on that plane two years later, you're just wanting to get out there and represent your country and you want to try and do as, as, as good as you can. And, Unfortunately, we didn't win that. We didn't win it, but we, um, I think we made the semi-final and got to play with some amazing cricketers and some, made some amazing mates and got to travel UAE and Dubai, which was pretty fun as well. And were there any big names that you got to play with and against that people would recognise now? Yeah, so I'd, that, that team, that under-19 team, was, had some pretty good names in it. Some of my, my best mates and some really good mates still in, in the likes of I opened the bowling with um, with Billy Stanlake, um, Benny McDermott was in that team, Jake Doran, Matt Short, um, Tom Andrews. A lot of the state players now are sort of in that team and we got to play against the likes of, say, Sandrew Sampson's and Kagis Arabatas and I'm sure there's a lot more. But, yeah, we played against some some pretty pretty good cricketers and played with some good cricketers. But um, I think just them, the experiences of just sort of travelling around with each other for a couple of years, it just you make some great great friends from it. And following on from this, you got to spend a lot of time with the Victorian squad as well as the Renegades playing a game in the 2015-16 BBL. How much did you take out of these experiences learning off and being around established state and international cricketers? Yeah, definitely. It's a good question. I, I, I still remember uh, I was in New Zealand at the time um, and got offered, looked at my emails and, and I was 17, just sort of come back from injury in New Zealand playing against the Black Caps. Um, and yeah, got an email from from the Victorian um, talent ID manager and, and selector, and he'd offered me a, a rookie contract. So it was excitement, but also um, quite daunting, just because I'm like, well, it was my 18th year in, in footy as well for to play tack cut. So I was like, well, what do I want to do? And cricket was always sort of my passion. So I can still literally remember sort of um, walking into the dressing room and, and you're greeted by the likes of Aaron Finch and Cameron White and. Matty Wade and Glenn Maxwell and you walk in and you're like, what is like, this is, this is incredible. And you sort of, you, you soon realize though that um, that sort of goes away pretty quickly and you just go, well, they're just regular kind of guys and they love, they love everything like we do as well that they like to go to the movies or go away on holidays or, and you just, you, you end up having things in common um, with them and you just get along with them. So it was an awesome experience for me and it was something that it took me a long time to realize, but to, to just, um, try to pick their brains as much as possible because you got to, if you listen to anyone now, um, you listen to a, a John Hastings or, or whoever and you sort of talk about um, 
who was the best leader that they ever got to play with. And they got to play with IPL teams, with Kumar Sangakaras and Dumanis and all these kind of guys. And they always say Cameron White was the, the best knowledge um, in the game that they ever met. So I got to access that every day at training. And I just try to speak to Whitey and, 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 and players like that and try to pick their brains about cricket, but also life as well. And as you've alluded to earlier, unfortunately, you were plagued with back stress fractures and shoulder injuries as you progressed through your cricketing career. I mean, you were probably yep. robbed of a chance to give it a good crack. Talk us through the mental and physical toll that this had on you. Yeah, it did. Yeah, for sure. And I think back then as well, um, thinking back now, the only time I was actually properly fit was probably over that that Big Bash period where I I played a game. Um, I was probably fit for six, not even actually, I was probably fit for three or four months in the same time because I was always, unfortunately for me, when I got an injury, I was out for the whole year every single time. It was either a serious stress fracture or a shoulder surgery or which put you out for at least a year. Um, So I probably had only a couple of months crack at it each time over a seven, seven to eight year career. So, they um you, you soon realise that they stop wanting to pay in your money when you when you keep getting injured. So that's what happens. But um to answer your question about the, the mental strain is that I think people just think, oh, you're not playing and that sort of stuff, which is really hard to deal with. But the the hardest thing probably to deal with is that you go from training training with some of your best mates every day and you're on you're in the jokes and you're you're in the team and having a laugh and that, and then you go to complete isolation of seeing the shoulder specialist, seeing the back specialists, doing all your rehab alone. Um, you're always doing everything alone. And that's something that's really, really difficult. And probably thinking about it now, I wouldn't say that I probably had a mental health issue, but I was definitely struggling. And I wish I put my hand up and said, you know what, I am actually really struggling here. And that's why I just commend players like Will Pukowski and, and Maxi and even players like Dane Beams to put up their hand and go, you know what, I actually am struggling here a little bit. And it's becoming the stigmas sort of... Um, is that stigma starting to get um, rid of now, which is which is a really good thing. Probably when I was a little bit younger, it probably was still there a little bit. Um, so I was a little bit scared to just say, hey, look, I'm struggling a little bit. I need a little bit of time off here. So, But saying that, it, it sort of made me a lot more resilient um, and I sort of, I wish it obviously went a different path, but the path that I went on sort of helped me um, develop as, as a human being probably quicker than than normal. Yeah, definitely. And your cricketing career ended soon after that, but your sporting career didn't as you were picked up by the Melbourne Footy Club as a Category B rookie. How did this come about and what prompted you to give footy a crack? Obviously, you loved it for your junior career, but what prompted you to want to play AFL? Yeah, I think when that when the Category B came out, I, I got approached by um, a few clubs over numerous years and always said no to them um, just because I wanted to keep giving cricket a crack and also had um, long deals with the Renegades and, and Victoria as well. So it was something that I really did con- contemplate quite a few times and when cricket sort of didn't work out and I was just, I had numerous shoulder um, surgeries. I, I, I probably could have played as a batter still for a while or, and then started to bowl, but I just knew that it was a long way down the road and my shoulder was, was, was fine to play footy. And I started off, I, I, I regret a decision that I made. I probably should have gone to a Brisbane or Adelaide that were probably more interested in me. Um, and things might've t- turned out differently, but I wanted to stay in Melbourne. I had some family things going on and my best mate in Joel Smith was playing at the club as well. So it was something that I probably knew wasn't the right, the, the best decision for me, but it's something that I just wanted to stay in Melbourne. Um, 
I was lucky enough for them to, to offer me a contract and I was there for kind of a year, year and a half and got some pretty cool experiences. But again, yeah, just an, another unfortunate injury that was just crazy. Um, and it, yeah, it sort of paused my career forever and, and changed my life. And I didn't realise it for a couple of months and it was just a, a bizarre circumstance and injury that no one knew much about. Yeah, so you sort of answered our next question, but what exactly was it and does it still affect you today? Yeah, so what it was, it, it is complicated. It's called, um, they, there was a lot of terms thrown around for it, but we actually got it um, after all these tests. It's called suprascapular neuropathy. And what happens is, what happened to me is the littlest bloke on the Melbourne's list, uh, Toby Bedford, uh, came in and tackled me. And I, in that same session, so it was the first time I was injury-free for a while. I was injury-free for about five or six months during pre-season, going well. Um, last session before Christmas, the kick before we finished the session, I tore my quad. Um, and then we went into tackling and I was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm fine. It'll be all good. And then I got a hit. My shoulder went dead. And I'm like, oh, it's a bit strange. So I went in, got a scan, tore my quad, knew it. So I was like, it's two or three weeks I'll be out for. And I just, I just mentioned to the physio, I'm like, oh, here we go. Like, I've got a bit of a dead shoulder, mate, but it's not too bad, I don't think. And he, he just said, well, all right, let's just see how it goes. And I went away for two weeks to Newcastle to see my dad and came back and took my top off and the doctor looked at it and he said, what the hell has happened to you? And what happens is a nerve nearly detached from my neck and you lose all the muscle in your shoulder and your shoulder blade. So I had like a massive hole in my shoulder. Um, and yeah, I was waking up for the next two months in complete agony. I was trying to train still. No one really knew what was going on. And then two months later, sort of more scans and more tests and understood that my nerve had nearly shattered away and I've probably got 40% left of a shoulder um, for the rest of my life so probably won't be able to play cricket or footy ever again um, I'd like to try and play as a batter again one day but yeah fair, fair to say that um, my life changed forever after I realized that yeah gee pretty pretty serious injury um, mm. and just on your time with Melbourne what were the main things you sort of took away from that experience <laughs> yeah I, I think just lucky enough to to be in two professional environments and just the way to, to see that footy run um, opposite to cricket it's a lot, a lot different culture. I think there's probably a, a younger sort of list in footy where the boys sort of hang out a lot more together um, and different leadership skills and, and different programs. And it was just cool to see the way that the mm -hmm. AFL environment worked. And it was really good fun when I was training um, and actually playing and playing in little scratch matches and stuff. And then when you sort of start to get injured again, you start getting isolated again and it's not much fun. So... Yeah, mate, it was, it was a really, really cool experience and something that I was really happy to take on. Um, just unfortunate the way it ended. And you were forced to retire from sport at just 24 years of age, as you've alluded to. It must have been a pretty tough time. And How did you cope with this emotionally, having to completely stop doing something that you're so familiar, so, so familiar with at such a young age? Yeah, definitely. I, I remember sort of walking into the neurologist's office and sort of thinking that she was going to say to me, oh, well, you can have the rest of the year off and we'll just rehab your back and you'll be right for next year. And I could see in her face straight away, she looked at me and I could just see that something wasn't right. She just said, "You not only have you got to retire, but you're actually going to have to do a lot of rehab to try to try to get back to, to using your shoulder again. Um, so yeah, sort of my world got taken away from me and um, I was kind of lucky in a sense that I probably knew six months before my contract ended. Um, with Melbourne so I, I was lucky enough to sort of speak to their admin side and go across the road to the MCG and work in their partnerships team and 
and got to work at the AFL Players Association in a mental health program called Tap Your Feelings. So I was really lucky to sort of get experiences like that and, and almost not quite sort of prepare me for, for retiring, but prepare me for actually getting used to it. But um, I sort of just deal with it um, day to day and it, it is not nice. Like I was speaking to, um, speaking to, to Will Pukowski as well sort of last week and said, oh, how's your, how's your day going? And I was at work busting away and not really enjoying it. And he's like, yeah, mate, just, just finished a hit. Um, just at the, at the cafe now with the boys just having a coffee. And I'm like, oh, yeah, great. That, that's, that's great. So just things like that, it's not, I'd rather be there still, but life happens sometimes, unfortunately. And as you've mentioned, you've been able to use your experiences in really positive ways and well done to you for that. Um, and tackle your feelings. What does this program entail and what's your role within that? Yeah, so they, it, was, um, it was brought out in, in Ireland with these big, massive rugby union players and it was a little bit to try and like, break down that stigma and, and these big rugby players were sort of saying how good the program was. So Zurich Foundation, in, in partnership with the AFL Players and Coaches Association, um, started this program and I was lucky enough to sort of be a part of it in the pilot year and what it is is it's a it's a mental health program targeted at um, AFL community coaches um, to try to give them the tools and, and knowledge around mental health within their within their football clubs and it's yeah we sort of started going around and I've been facilitate, facilitating some sessions and um, around sort of Queensland Victoria and we've had some amazing response um, and it's just really good it sort of just breaks down and, and simplifies um, sort of mental health um, training and tools as well to try to de- know how to to look out for, for someone that might maybe struggling a little bit and how to deal with it. Um, so it's been amazing so far. And obviously with COVID at the moment, it's, it's not great. But when this actually finally does, um, we sort of get back to normal life. I can't wait to start to get, into, get back into that program. And along with that, you have your own podcast, The Athlete Diaries, and you've had some pretty cool guests such as Max Gorn and Will Pukowski, who you've mentioned a couple of times. Can you give us an overview of what this is all about and the main message that you hope to get across to your listeners? Yeah, I was thinking about it for a couple of years and about doing it, and I thought there was no better time than in the last COVID shutdown to sort of get it off the ground. And it's all about, so far, speaking to athletes. I eventually want to get on some professionals in the mental health space and um, so far, it's been speaking to athletes about their journeys and challenges, but also touch on sort of mental health, resilience, life away from sport, um, and then just a general chat. Might be some funny stories and had some amazing guests, and them guests have been so great at being um, so vulnerable. Like um, Sammy Harper talks about his concussion in Adelaide. Will talks about the uh, the mental health um, struggles he's had over the last couple of years, but they don't actually just um, they're not just vulnerable and tell, talk about their story. They actually talk about what tips and, uh, as well for, for other people that are, that are going through tough times. And then there might be an episode like Gorney's or Haystow's like this week where it might be some more funny stories and a bit more um, laid back. And then I also had um, spoke to Chris Lynn yesterday and sort of had a, had a podcast with him. And that was the first time I actually saw him face to face since he hit me for about 12 sixes. Um, so I sort of said, Hey Lenny, welcome to the show yesterday. And he said, yeah, it's good. It's good. Last time I saw you, um, it was a little bit different, <laughs> taking the absolute mick out of me. So, no, it's been, it's been good fun and it's um, had some really good reception so far. So, it's, uh, it's definitely something I'm enjoying. Yeah, it's, it's great what you're doing and definitely recommend it to all of our listeners and I'll um, put a link in, in the show notes. Um, just yeah, to finish off, 
How do you reflect on and sum up on your time in sport now that you've been out of it for almost a year and have had a chance to sit back and look back on it? That is, that, that, that's, a, that's an amazing question um, just because this is still an area that I'm, I'm really, really passionate in and not so much on the sporting field. When you're young and for me, contract at 17, like thinking that I'm going to retire at 35 and I'm going to make millions in the IPL, all this sort of stuff that you get told by some players and, and some of the players associations that this isn't going to last forever. Sometimes it can happen really quickly that you could lose your career. And I was always like, oh, as if like, well, everything else has gone right in my career and a little split second and it can change your life. I, um, I, we are so far ahead of the rest of the world in sports around player development and player welfare and making sure that players have study and, um, and work experience or whatever they want to do on the outside. But I still don't think it's quite there enough at the moment. So looking back at it, I was very, I'm grateful to be able to, to be professional at both sports that I loved as a kid. Um, I just wish that I probably got a little bit more out of, out of them. I made some probably decisions that, um, that probably impacted me for the worst with injuries wise. Um, and I just want to be able to, to give back. I want to be able to give back to, to young and up and coming players that are in the system and you're in a bubble. Um, and the main bit of advice is to try get out the bubble, get away from your teammates sometimes, get away from that bubble and, and do a little bit of study or do a bit of work experience or work towards that career because the end of the day, if you if you retire at thirty, you still got another fifty years of your life left. So that's probably the main thing I've taken away from it. And what else does the future hold for you? You've obviously got your podcast and you do work with the Tackle Your Feelings program. What else does the future hold for you in terms of work? Yeah, mate, I, it's, that's another good question. I've I've just finished. I've worked at Speedo for about six months, which was a which was a good experience, and it's something that I've just finished up. So. Yeah, I'll just definitely keep working on the podcast and try to bring some amazing guests and content out and um, and then, yeah, keep working with Attack Your Feelings and I'm sort of just trying to work towards um, being able to, to become a player development manager or welfare officer in a sporting team or it doesn't have to be a sporting team at the start, but that's I, I, I know that my values is that I want to be able to give back and, and share some of my experiences and, and try to help people in their lives. So something around them past, but yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure yet. Well, Guy, that's all we've got for you. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. And congratulations to you for all you're doing. You're sharing a really important message. So thank you. Thanks, boys. It's a a pleasure to be on. Thank Thank you. you. Appreciate it. No worries, boys. And that wraps us up for another episode of the Chewy on Your Boot podcast. Thank you very much to Guy for his time. And like I said earlier, make sure you go check his podcast out, The Athlete Diaries. Thank you for some more guests. Thank you.